Ooh, Halloween, it's spoopy episode. Welcome to the spooptacular. <laughs> spooptacular, we're, talking about poop. We're, we're spooking it up today because it's All Hallows Eve, everybody, in five days from now. I love Sagwin. Is that, is that it? Sagwin? Sagwin? Yeah, isn't that a witch thing? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And I think for Halloween, we picked the perfect book with the perfect guest. Yes, because what is scarier than 9-11? <laughs> Written by a ghostwriter. <laughs> Spooky ghost writing books about 9-11 before 9-11 happened. Do you think K.A. Applegate was on Epstein's flight logs? Oh. Um, yeah, but under an alias. She probably wrote down Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Which, she, no, it's she, honestly a brilliant move. She wrote down J.K. Rowling. <laughs> they can't tell you their names. They can't tell you where they live. But in the mid to late 90s, these five teenagers can turn into animals to fight an invading army of evil brain slugs. Five dumb teens are the only thing standing in the way of complete annihilation. This is Anamorphic Time with Nate and Tyler. Get your hand off my girlfriend, you yerk brain bastard! <laughs> This is for daddy. Uh, make it like half the bottle. Catherine Alice Applegate wouldn't want this. She doesn't want this. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And like, they're, they're like, no, stop <laughs> shooting at children. Oh man, being 12 was weird. No. So welcome to Animorphin Time, the Halloween episode. This is just close to Halloween. We're not doing anything spooky. And joining us mm. to talk about Animorphs, number 37. A kind of inspiring story, if you will. This person tweeted at me saying they spent every Sunday listening to every stupid word we said. And now they're here sharing stupid words with us here. So we have cat parent extraordinaire, Tatzel. Welcome to Animorphin Time. Thank you. I am glad to be here and glad to get stupid with it because this book is fucking nuts. Fucking nuts. So I just want to say, if you out there listening ever have a dream of wanting to be on this podcast, give up. You, you missed out because <laughs> so, I got fucking lucky. Yo, someone decided to drop out, and I was like, "Bitch, you, you don't, don't stop asking us to come on. We've filled it up. Just shut the fuck up. Well, take it, this slop." And enjoy it for what it is. So, Tatzel, tell us, what is your history with Animorphs? Who are you? What's your history with Animorphs? What do you do? What what makes you you? Even better, why? <laughs> the why, I... A team of fucking psychs probably couldn't answer that one. But but the, the rest of it I might be able to cover. Um, I remember the first time I saw an Animorph book, I was in third grade i remember almost nothing about the rest of this hallway or anything but i saw a bookmark with jake's morph from fucking volume one into the little into the little green anole and i was like hey what's that so you're a strong dewlap boy yeah <laughs> ladies love cool dewlap the, everyone, the, the bigger the dewlap the better everyone loves the dewlap and here's yeah, the thing the uh the dewlap uh loves you too just do lap it. Just do did lap we it. Did we make that one already? No. We probably did. Please, sorry. Continue. Tell us. Tell us more. How do you, you love these animorphs? You love these crazy kids. I, I I love the crazy kids. I started reading them after I saw that because he would not loan me his copy. I had to go get my damn own, so I did. And um, 
I kept reading until a little after the David books, and then we moved, so I was no longer within walking distance of a bookstore. So I started falling off, and 37 was the last physical copy I had. Ooh, so this was serendipitous, you ending up on this book. It's got a special place in my heart. So how long was the gap? How long from this book until when you finished it? Um, well, I think I read one of like the last five books physically, and then I didn't. And then I read 37 for the podcast, and then I finished the series for the first time ever. Mm. Do you think Nate's going to be excited to finish the series? I think Nate's going to love finishing the series, and I think Rachel gets the good ending. Agreed. Agreed. I would say that if this is your ending for Rachel in 37, might have gotten the bad ending. <laughs> I think that's probably, you know, it's not, not a good ending for Rachel on 37 here. Uh, 37, the... Uh, the Cheetah Book. No, The Weakness. The Weakness. Um, Jake's not around. Who will take his place? A, a beautiful tagline. As it turns out, Tetzel. Tetzel, congratulations. You're now the leader <laughs> yeah. of the podcast right now because uh, we're gone. We're gone. This is your show. Z- oh, my poor smooth brain. <laughs> Before we jump into this masterpiece, should we pour ourselves a spooky drink? Yeah, it's a spooky drink from a spooky ghostwriter to a spooky witch's brew pumpkin spice. Now, let me tell you the brand. The brand is called Pumpkin Spice. <laughs> <laughs> We like to get fancy here at Animorphin Time. Top shelf oh, no. only. And even better, 10% alcohol by volume oh, God. on this wine here. Fuck me. <laughs> Fuck my stupid face. Let's go. Oh, no. Here comes heavy pours. Here we go. Oh, I'll get that. That's some good sound. Tatzel, are you enjoying anything on your end? Good God, that's a heavy pour. Well, I'm probably going to have to ask for a smoke break about halfway through so I can... Because we're going to make you come. This is so funny. You're going to come and you're going to want to smoke after. Yeah, I got it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Ooh, I'm about to get college drunk. <laughs> That's a good. Okay. It's pretty good. Here we go. That Don't looks work. like Boone's Farm. It's, it's. It looks and tastes like Boone's Farm. It smells. Oh. Smells. Oh, God. It's like peppermint cinnamon spice. That's how it smells. Oh, my heavens. This. It's like. It's not bad, right? It's not bad. <laughs> It's uh, like, okay, true story about Boone's Farm. I secretly love Boone's Farm. Yeah, blue blueberry wine should be blue. I <laughs> mean, you're right. Melon wine should be like neon green. Yes. It should look like Fuzzy radiation. navel wine should be, you know, orange. Yeah. Boone's Farm. Two, two Morphe boy thumbs straight up. Yep. Um, pumpkin spice. Uh, go find yourself to a Trader Joe's today and get yourself... <laughs> <laughs> a big yeah. gallon. This of- episode brought to you by Trader Joe's. So, Animorphs number 37, The Weakness, The Cheetah Book. Uh, hot, hot top cover. Like, I love this cover. I love the, like, honestly, like, number two, Rachel. Yeah. In a book where Rachel is often number two, being a number two, a well, shit. She's I being mean, a I shit. Mean, Rachel is number one in this book, but like her second morph, it's a good look. It, yeah, is all I'm like, saying. Okay, we're learning Nate has some latent cat girl tendencies. I mean, listen, if you play enough Final Fantasy out there, you get a little bit of love for, for the cat people. Yeah, you really do. Oh, my I gotta God. I got to look up the Morph picture now. It's, it's strong. It's a strong one. It's got this nice orange and blue background, which I, is an underused color palette. Throwing yeah. orange and blue together really works. Bisexual lighting, kind of. I mean... Kind of. 
<laughs> Almost. It's getting there. Uh, inside cover, strong. And I, I love it for one specific reason. So the inside cover, it has a nice kind of like idyllic meadow and there's a bunch of cheetahs there prancing around having a good time and in the back is axe just stomping around like an idiot <laughs> and tobias just hovering in the air like every time tobias shows up in an inside cover he's just looks like he's just floating yeah they just they <laughs> put like, him in it's like he's a sticker inside the inside like it doesn't fit that's viscer three yeah i was thinking that was viscer three as well oh that's the initial attack well, that makes more sense then. Because, like, Axe would never stomp around. Yeah, Mr. Three. He's he, a light boy. <laughs> Axe is our light boy. He's dainty. He's, he's, he's dainty. He, I think, you know, he has a bit more grace. Visser Three, stomper. Full stomper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, this book finally asks the question what would the Animorphs do if Jake were not around? And the answer is terrorism. And I love it. I absolutely love that about this book. Yeah, I, I think that um, they talk a lot of game, but now, like, I think, is it fear? Is it fear of terrorism that they, that they, Jake is just not on board with it? So, listeners, if you've never read this book, Jake's away from town yeah. on some, some family thing. So the Animorphs decide, you know what? We're going to fucking hit those yurks. We're going to strike first for once. And Jake has never been the strike first type of guy because Jake prescribes to that wonderful drug I like to call hawkish liberalism. Oh, man. Jake's methodology, largely so far in the series, is we do not strike first. This is a war. The human race is... at. We could lose everything. Everyone could die. Let's wait until they attack us. Yeah. It's that whole... Let's. We're never going to strike first because that would be immoral and unethical. Is that it? I think so. I think it's. You know, they're they're very reactive as a group. I I think that they're just. You know, they don't. When they take a when they have the opportunity to take a rest, they take it. And then when shit happens, they react to it. But like, they're not fighting a war. They're kind of like pushing things off until help comes. Right, Tatzel. What do you think? I mean, Jake's whole thing is. He's down with the secret war staying secret. Rachel don't give a fuck. Yeah, as soon as Rachel has an excuse to fly off the handle, she does. And is this in character for Rachel? I Go- think so. I think that Rachel, um, she's kind of sold as impulsive, but I think that she's just more, she's more aggressive and not like the negative sense. It's just like, you know, she's more proactive in doing shit. And, you know, le- cares less about the um, risk that is posed to their identities um, when they when they go off and do stuff. Um, but I think we should just get into it because, you know, th- there's plenty of things to talk about. Um, and Rachel's violent activities. <laughs> her violent delights. Yeah. Her, let's say... Um, well, Michael, Ma- her Michael Bayisms will really like come yeah, out. <laughs> Rachel's special, and she spends chapter one telling us exactly how special she is. That's what it's like in this book. A lot of Animorphs books start with, I can't tell you my name. I can't blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This one starts with, I'm a warrior king who loves Oedipus. <laughs> that's, that's where we start with Rachel. She's pissed off. She's special. And they realize they know where Visser 3 is hanging out. And they're going to get him. 
So yeah, they decide to go cheetah mode to rip his ass apart fast. Him, um, hello, I'm Marco. Um, yeah, we, we should wait for Jake. Tatzel, should we wait for Jake? No. But he's our leader. He tells us what to do. Jake's not around. We'll just wait for Jake. They all, the Jake would not have made the plan in the fucking first place. No, they would have. He, Jake would have been like, no, nah, it's too risky, guys. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but, Rachel and Marco would have made the plan and Jake would have been like, we should vote for it, guys. Yeah. And then they would have fucking done it anyway. Like was, I told you, hawkish liberalism. Well, yeah. And, and Rachel doesn't become leader at this point. She can't, Isn't there like a vote that happens in the first? The, the vote is later. What they do is they decide, yeah, we have one chance. Let's not miss this opportunity to kill Visser 3. I know Cassie says, I know exactly what we need to do. Let's turn into cheetahs, go real fast, rip them apart. Yeah. Thing that disappointed me. One, they just immediately get cheetahs. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, like stress. Where do we find a cheetah? Um, you know, it's the how, gardens. How do we catch a cheetah? <laughs> how do we lure a cheetah towards us? Like, there's, it's one of those things where, like, narratively, there's some good meat on the table of like how how do teenagers catch cheetah? Um, but they just ignore it. They're just like, we found one, and it was rad, and then we're in cheetahs now. And I I posited this theory to Nate and Tatzel. I wanna I wanna I wanna propose it to you now. Tell me what you think of this. The earlier Visser Three shows up in an Animorphs book, the worse the book is. Do you? How do you feel about that? You must not like this book much. Oh boy! <laughs> this see, this one is very near and dear to my heart because of all the horrendous things that it does to my girl. <laughs> does and does any of it need to happen? No. Was this a good plan? Yes. I. I agree that the Animorphs are never on the offensive. And in a secret war, you need to be on the offensive. And I, the only, sorry, not the only, my biggest problems with this book are the way that the narrator talks down to Rachel, thereby talking down to the reader, which happens a lot in the early parts of this book. The initial plan of going after Visser 3 is a good one. Yes. Because it worked last time. Yeah. We know where he is. He's out here stomping in this field. We'll just turn into cheetahs and we'll get them. And that's a, that is their best plan. Yeah. It's just, right. Like, why are we tiptoeing around murdering Visser 3? <laughs> right. The evil incarnate emanating pure hate and virulence. Yeah. And, and they're, they're close. Uh, their biggest success, their closest biggest success was in the beginning with the axe book where axe like took a bite out of viscer three mm-hmm. he left yeah. the body <laughs> he did like he was out in like the river or something as a yerk mm-hmm. like and that was just them just like hey let's just jump viscer three <laughs> yeah keep on doing that just keep jumping him you'll get him one time <laughs> so that's what they start to do and they do that by turning into cheetahs it's cheetah time cheetah baby so should we do it i think we should do it should we do it? Tatzel, do you want to start us off? It's time for Animal Facts! Animal Facts! Prince Jake and Cassie, Tobias and Axe, Rachel and Marco, the bandits are here. They want to listen to Animal Facts. Fuck all the yurks, Marco's mom is. 
So, provided to us by the wonderful Divine Soup Can. All right, so time for some hot cheetah facts. Hot cheetah facts. So, yeah, cheetahs have a very low genetic diversity, as evidenced by their poor sperm count, high infant mortality, ability to accept skin grafts from other cheetahs, and uh, just their vulnerability to diseases. So, they're Americans. Yep. (laughs) As such, uh, the 1983 feline coronavirus outbreak. Oh, fuck. Fuck. At an Oregon breeding facility. <laughs> Wildlife Safari. With a record-breaking 60% mortality rate. Wait, hold on. So, uh, strap yourself in, folks. Uh, it turns out it was not a lab leak. It was actually a cheetah leak here at Wildlife Safari. <laughs> I gotta look. What year was it? 1983. Uh, a fine year and a fine vintage for cheetah death. I wasn't alive then. Were you alive then, Tatzel? I was not. That's five years before me. Hell yeah. Anyone who's live then, old. Yeah. Uh, you know what? And I'll Jesus, s- we did it. We Oregonians, we did it. And I got to say, um, you know, this was also before Invermectin was invented. So they, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I would just say, like, the cheetahs, they didn't get it. So that's why they died. Fuck. Just that out there. I can't. Wow. Cheetahs gave us Corona. Who could have guessed? Well, we've had Coronas in the past. <laughs> Just not novel ones. <laughs> not handcrafted to bespoke to coronas. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Keep going. Uh, so, beginning in Egypt. So, we're going way back now. Oh, boy. Beginning in Egypt at least 3,500 years ago, cheetahs have been... Wait, t- wait. I thought the world started 2,000 years ago with Jesus. Sorry. Uh, I meant to say, in the beginning of the, everything, uh, 2,000 <laughs> years ago, cheetahs have been tamed and trained to hunt with humans. Mm, wow. First, an adult cheetah is captured from scratch uh, from a, a scratching tree with a noose snare. So there's a cheetah that's okay. kind of rubbing his back on a uh-huh. tree, and then down comes a noose, <laughs> <laughs> grabs that poor cheetah. Uh, then women and children speak to them at length to condition them with human contact. <laughs> Holy fuck! I'm so on board with this. This rules. Tyler, I've captured you and tied you to a tree. Then cheetahs just come up and bark at you for <laughs> like. 10 days on straight. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, during the hunt, the hunter will flush the game out, release the cheetah's blindfold at just the right moment for it to chase down its prey. Uh, only ever a sport for the wealthy and never for subsistence, hunting with cheetahs or hunting leopards <laughs> spread as far as Russia and Mongolia. Wow. It's rarely practiced today. You know, they're right. Americans have no culture. I'm going to be Mongolian from now on. I know that is dope as fuck. I want to hunt with a cheetah. Fuck hunting hunt with like a coon hound. Right. No, I want a hawk. I, I still think hawk hunting sounds pretty rad. Oh, yeah. Falconry is badass. Exactly. But goddamn, a cheetah? <laughs> goddamn. Have you considered like a cheetah hunting? I'm just picturing me on the banks of the Volga with a cheetah chasing down little Slavic children. <laughs> <laughs> Go get revenge, my beautiful cheetah. They convince you to give up your freedom. Kill the children who... <laughs> tortured you and enslaved you sorry lightning round lightning round lightning round cheetahs mostly drink blood instead of water (laughs) (laughs) lightning round lightning round cheetah facts a group of male cheetahs is a coalition (laughs) all right i think i found my persona (laughs) (laughs) lightning round uh cheetahs meow and purr but cannot roar oh they're adorable as it turns out they can love but they can't scare Beautiful. Uh, Lightning round. When cheetahs mate, uh, they copulate three to five times a day, 
under a minute at a time for a few days. Whoa. Okay. Like humans, there is no end to the cheetah mating season. <laughs> <laughs> Little human fact there, Divine Soup Can. Thank you. Oh, man. Those are some fucking cheetah facts. Blood drinking lovers of the, wow, killers of. Yeah. I mean, I drink blood. Have you not? I've had blood soup. So one might say that um, the cheetah is much like Rachel in that she drinks blood. <laughs> yeah. Blood drinking murder machine. <laughs> but can't um, roar. Right. Yeah, they can't roar. I mean. So yeah, they, they all jump. Visser three. They bite him, but they realize they're cheetah morphs running out of energy very fast. They're like, oh, these are the fastest land mammals, but they don't have a lot of energy. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay. Here's the way I thought about it is like, could five cheetahs, wait, four cheetahs, five cheetahs? Four as many could, cheetahs as there are. Four cheetahs. Could four cheetahs take down a horse? Yeah. You think? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Clydesdale. <laughs> Who's Clydesdale? Is this another horse I'm supposed to know? Clydesdale is the biggest horse that you can you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's the Budweiser horse. A Palomino named Clydesdale. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, I mean, like, the answer is kind of maybe in my hot, in my brain. Um they should have just rolled on up as like polar bears and stuff. Was my yeah. thinking. So, but they get stopped by uh, like a blur, a blur, a fast, a blue, blue blur. streak speeds by. That's right, Inquisitor the Garatron. Inquisitor the Garatron. <laughs> but uh, listen, blue if, streak speeds by. If anyone's looking for a cool band name, I think Inquisitor the Garatron <laughs> is probably a good one. Go uh, that. So, yeah, we get introduced to the newest race of aliens from hot, Animorphs. Hot new race. Hot new character drop. Hot new race with uh, character description. Let's say, let's here's, here, here, here's what we go. Here, here's what Animorphs known for unique, weird looking aliens. Here we go. You know where the cartoon character's skin stretches as he strides faster and faster until his skeleton runs out of its skin suit? That's where this thing belonged, in a cartoon, where the impossible is possible. An impression, a flash, a blur. Does a bizarre look- creature able to zip across the grass like a high-speed insect, like a bullet fired from a thirty thirty, a hunting rifle. Only about as tall as a gazelle, four lanky skinny legs, a thin but strong-looking tail as long as its body that flicked and twitched even as even when the creature's legs weren't moving. A pigeon chest, high and rounded, a head shaped like a custom-made aerodynamic bike racing helmet, tight curved face like half a smooth ball, skull that swept back from the rim of this ball into a pointy triangle, like an ice cream cone on its side, except the cone was flattened. But what really caught and held my attention was the fact that this thing was covered in blue fur and had no mouth and sported two thin, weak-looking arms like an andalite, like Axe. Tassel, what do you think of the, the what do you Garatron? Think of the, what do you think of the Garatron, the andalite sonic hedgehog? I fucking love this freak so much. <laughs> like, do you? Yeah, the way him. it's described sounds like a bad fucking children's drawing. <laughs> And yet, like, somebody put their heart and soul into researching bullshit speedster stuff from comics and cartoons and put it into everything this does. I love the Garatron. I am on the opposite side (laughs) of 
what you said. I think that it was rushed together, slapdash. I hate the Garatron. Like, because, like, uh, when I think of the Garatron, I think of, like, end light but fast. And that <laughs> just seems lazy to me. Like, I, I don't know. But, like, maybe, uh, maybe I just kind of, like, you know, I, I was focusing in on too much of just, like, it being described as an end light. I just saw it as an end light that could run fast. With a funny shaped helmet head. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, uh, I, I kind of love that detail. If the alien from Alien fucked Sonic the Hedgehog, then yeah. you'd get, like, the Garatron. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's not weird. Like, it, it, I, I guess this is kind of... It doesn't have skis for arms like the Venber. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I guess, like, I'm okay with it, like, being a fast alien. I think, sure, we should have fast aliens. That's yeah. a, that, that's cool. That's a cool aspect of the Garatron. Um, but having its description just be so damn close to what an Andalite is, just, it confuses my brain, I think. is is like, you know, there's not enough distinction there between what an Andalite is and what a Garatron is, aside from the speed. I'm going to settle this debate right now. Okay. I like the Garatron. You like the Garatron? I do. It's very. Right. It's so stupid. All right. I mean, <laughs> it's so stupid. Like I, I started thinking about it, and it's like, oh, this is god awful. This is a god awful description. I hate this. And then the more I thought about it, just being a badly drawn, half remembered Andalite, I'm like, okay, this is good. <laughs> so you're picturing like draw an Andalite from memory? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like in five years, I tell you to draw an Andalite. <laughs> I mean, it's the Sanic of Andalite. It def- it's so Sanic. I could hear. I, okay, I could be on board if its description was 100 percent accurate, and when it ran, you could see like the skeleton <laughs> <laughs> and behind it was just like this fleshy ball. Fuck! Like it was just like it was floppy. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus, the Garrett. I don't controversial character, the Garrett. Tr- yeah. However, I think the name, the Inspector is a cool name the yeah the yeah like if it was just called the inspector then i'd be like oh yeah oh yeah inspector all right let's it's, go inspector so yeah so let's let's breeze through this yeah like uh like the like what like, what happens what like happens? an enchanter from everquest will breeze through this uh, nobody gets that someone gets it and they loved it and so the garatron very fast blue andalite knocks all the animorphs down they fucking run away and then they overhear that the inspector is there to judge Visser 3. No. They introduce a new Game of Thrones, if you will, some politics into this. Yeah. The inspector's there to make sure Visser 3 is doing a good job capturing Earth because our evil boy got his head on the chopping block. Well. They know he's a fuck up. Yeah. He constantly fucks up. Visser 1 proved he's a fuck up (laughs) in front of everybody. And the inspector's saying... You know what? They're going to put me on the Hall of Presidents. I'm going to be on the Council of 13. So, don't fuck this up, Mr. 3. But Mr. 3 is smart enough to know that this is And by the way, this is good like just general work advice. Um Tatsel, you're up for promotion. Remember this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tatsel advice corner. Here we go. <laughs> well, no, like the inspector is, is like has no motivation to give Mr. 3 a passing grade. Yeah. Right. Because like, if if the if the inspector goes back and like, actually, no, Visser Three is doing a good job. He's not going to get promoted to the Council of Thirteen, Mm-mm. right? Like, because the Council of Thirteen are looking for an excuse to give Visser Three A and B. Like, it could just be like, oh, he didn't find anything. He wasn't looking hard enough. Right. Right. This is very much a find a problem yes. thing for the inspector. So Which Visser- is what all middle management does. Yeah. Exactly. Um. 
So yeah, the inspector is just here to fuck over Vista Three. Like he's not he's here technically to inspect, but we know better. <laughs> we know a lot. Better. We know better. Uh and the Animorphs, uh being the teenage the, the the naive teenagers that they are, um, don't realize that doing nothing would probably do uh, accomplish their goal. Right. Of removing Vista Three. <laughs> Instead, they're like Vista Three might be in trouble if we prove that the Andalite bandits are a couple of rascallions ready to take care of some fires around town. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they realize, here's the Animorphs plan. Okay, let's go. We're going to do some guerrilla war. We know where these controllers work. We're going to hit them there. So it proves that Vista 3 is just a piece of shit, bad at taking over Earth. They get rid of him. Tassel, do you think this is a good plan? No. No. We are diametrically opposed I, on I think all it, the stuff in well, this book. Actually, no, I agree with Tassel. I think uh, I don't think it's, it's a, a wise plan. I should yeah. I should clarify. I think it's an effective plan, and they should be doing it more. I think that it's wrong on both fronts. It is neither effective nor wise. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, that's probably why you make more money than me. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's you know what it is is that think about Visser, uh-huh. right? What was the goal of Visser? Uh, there, there's kind of a perfect balance for the Animorphs right now in that Vista 3 is so focused on the Analyte Bandits that he's not a good leader mm-hmm. and he's not effectively focusing in on the goal of take over Earth. Right. He's kind of a blessing. Um, the Animorphs... The, should, in the way that an incompetent, malicious boss is. Yeah, exactly. And so their plan is like, okay, well, let's get rid of Vista 3. You know, let's demote Vista 3, I guess, mm-hmm. at this point. Um and and uh, things will be better? Question mark. Like you know, there, there's no intermediate step of like, what if they do actually bring over somebody competent? Right. You know, he's like, all right, we're just gonna ignore the bandits and just focus on the whole Earth bit. It's like, why? It's that whole thing of, yeah, Trump is an evil fuck, but he can't get anything done. He's too stupid to get anything done. Really? What yeah. if? What if they bring in a Dan Crenshaw? I don't like the idea that Vista Three is. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to go back and re-record all of his dialogue. <laughs> but, but, but like, you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, yes, know, this I is do. Like, there, there's. It's one thing to kill him in a field. I think that's a good plan. Mm-hmm. It's it's an easy plan. He's out. He's just right there. <laughs> just get him. <laughs> just get him. Um, it's another thing to like cause havoc for the sake of getting him demoted. I'm with you in that they should be more proactive. If they see, if they know someone's a controller, kill them. Yeah, right. They should cripple be do- them. They should be doing Discredit that. Discredit them. Yeah, like take them out of the war somehow. Well, here's here's a better idea. Maybe just like you know, trick them and lock them in a room, and then leave for three days. Yeah, <laughs> got them. Humans will live. Yeah, leave some water. Yeah, just like a bowl of water and a bowl of like <laughs> Cheerios or something. Give them a raw egg and a head of lettuce, like yeah. Visser would. Yeah. Give him some fucking oatmeal. That's right. Yeah, God, get, yep. Goddamn ginger oatmeal. There we go. Goddamn ginger and maple. I, I mean, there are better things to do, mm-hmm. but like they should be more proactive. You're right, but like I just think I just think that this plan in particular is just bad motivations and a bad idea. And it's got Rachel thinking about hubris. Yeah, but My, tell me about hubris. Well, hubris is. Uh, it's a word she learned from reading Oedipus Rex about. How pride will leave to lead to a tragic downfall. This is the worst fucking chapter in this whole fucking book. Tatsa, what do you remember from Oedipus Rex? 
I didn't read Oedipus Rex. But do you, do you know the main thing about Oedipus? He fucks his mother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's the that's only- the only thing I know. And I don't know why Rachel is so obsessed because like she has no feelings for her mama. She well, even says my mom's never around anymore in this book. The thing that also really bothers me, she's like, yeah, I'm not going to pluck my eyes out when I make a big mistake. Right. It's like, we know what the mistake is. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you making this exact? Like, why are you doing this? It's uh, this, this chapter enraged me because it's Rachel talking about like, there's this idea of hubris where the warrior king becomes so prideful that they make a life ending mistake. Well, well, that can't happen to me. <laughs> Why is she worried about hubris? Because she's a warrior king. Because she has to replace Jake. Right. Yes. And this is the only time she's ever really had to consider, like, the consequences of what she's about to do. Because the rest of the time, she can just be the weapon and go off half cocked. Sorry, I have a lot of thoughts on Rachel in this book. Let's, let's start getting into them. I can. Oh, I want to pick this poor girl apart. First off, I've got to uh, go back things, to 30. Things oh, Hillary, no. Things Hillary Clinton says right before dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I got sorry, go I, no, I derailed that. I'm ha- so sorry. No, it's Halloween. It's in the, 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 the month of spirit cooking. <laughs> oh. Please, Dad, we'll continue. So in 32, we had that apeshit nightmare with... Not a good and bad Rachel, but a mean and nice one. Yes. They were both like idiotic, impulsive fools still. Both of them were always like wanting to act because as we see in this chapter, when Rachel stops and thinks it's not fucking good, she's (laughs) not that great at it. And she just hides all of her insecurity and fear and shit behind being this gung-ho warrior because she never has to think about that. So do you think that the demanding of leadership is a defense mechanism for that kind of um, problem in her personality that she can't actually plan ahead? I think nobody except Jake can control her and she's left without a leash. Like Jet Li and Bob Hoskins and Unleashed. Yeah. That's... I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I hear the word leash, I think of that movie. Well, I mean, like, okay. Did the Animorphs, like, is anyone strong enough to really say no to Rachel? Yeah, only one person is. It's Tobias, and he never does. Yeah, he's a fucking pussy this entire book. The whole time. If, he, to, if Tobias said, Rachel, you're not the leader, would Rachel be like, okay? Yes. Okay. Because she was always, in this book especially, she's like, I have these uncontrollable i have this uncontrollable love for tobias and he's not answering me why isn't he saying anything because he he internally is like no this is a bad idea yeah (laughs) like tobias's self-esteem is so low that he thinks if he criticizes rachel at all that rachel will do what people have always done to tobias and cast him aside so tobias never questions rachel in this he makes I mean, it becomes pretty overt that he's just ignoring the bad things she does, and she even starts to notice it, so she ups her bad behavior. Classic Sigma male behavior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
You want your bitch to act up, you ignore him. <laughs> I don't feel good about saying that. No, sense. it's all bad. Um, but like, you're you're right. You know, like if it was Marco or anybody else, Tobias would say something. But uh-huh. since it is Rachel, um, and you know, he's he has confidence issues, especially around Rachel. Yeah, and some toxic codependence, which we've gone into. Mm-hmm. I uh, Tobias could have stopped this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so this is Tobias's fault. You started into something when she was talking about Tobias. Like my entire first page of notes is like looking at how she's thinking in this chapter. Three times in the book, she talks about things being inevitable. I don't think she believes she has any fucking control over herself. That's, I think, a strong point. I buy that. And and that's why like her later chapters of like, you know, looking at herself in the mirror and saying, you got this. You're, you're a fucking king. You're king. <laughs> well, she even says in the Warrior King chapter, she says, who would get anything in this world done if not for the Warrior Kings? No one. That's who. That's me. Well, what I'm saying is like she's lying to herself and she's lying to herself as hard as possible which, because she wants it to work. Yeah, which is <laughs> you know? same, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, we, we all do it. Uh, but like, yeah. Katza, what's the biggest lie you told yourself? <laughs> I'll go first. It's that I was ever going to be happy again. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's when you go into the mirror and you say, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. I'm a I'm warrior gonna... king. I'm a happy warrior king. Yeah. And then you just smile and it, it works. And you're happy. And then you go out and kill an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler's a nurse, so it's given that. Yeah. I've killed, of, <laughs> I've killed lots of old guys. No, I, that's not true. Absolutely not true. Nursing board, if you heard that, no, not true. No bit. That is, that, that's not. I've never killed anyone. No bit. No bits. No. Say. (laughs) So, I mean, the most prolific American serial killer was a nurse. I could probably do better than him, right? Dropsy? The clown? What? He was poisoning, like, IV bags, and he knew exactly what he was putting in there. So, he'd be like, I know how to save this person. And he'd come in like, wow, what a lifesaver. But he was just putting insulin in, like, IV bags and killing people. He killed a lot of people. He went from hospital to psych hospital to psych hospital. Just over 100 and I can beat him. <laughs> I can do better. <laughs> All right, so we're just playing the the uh, movie, The Frighteners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. No. So their plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get back to the book. Let's go to Animorphs. I'm not going to kill anyone. Never will kill anyone. I only do emotional violence. You can ask anyone who's ever wanted to date me. <laughs> so Rachel's the leader now. They they all kind of agree to it. Marco is a nay. Well, they they realize a vote will not. Like, they realize voting doesn't work, which, when voting doesn't work, you turn to terrorism. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and also, we, we acknowledge that Marco said no, but yeah. Marco... But Mar- Marco, Marco does the math. Axe says, I'm not going to vote, and Marco goes, well, that's your best friend, and that's your boyfriend, so you're the leader now. And let's face it, Marco has no say in the ongoings of the Animorphs. None. <laughs> like, he, he's, he's there for the ride, but he, he's, they're there to take care of Marco. They're not there to listen to Marco. No, they do not. And chapter six is when Rachel's alone with her thoughts, her right, hubris. Right. She says, Last month in English class, we studied a few Greek tragedies, like Oedipus Rex, written by a guy with an equally unpronounceable name. That's where I first heard the word hubris. Hubris is like a disease. It means excessive pride, over-the-top self-confidence, the belief that you can do anything you want better than anyone else because 
you know best because you're special because that's you the problem is hubris usually results in some extremely nasty payback like being so horrified when you learn that something you did was really really wrong like fucking your mother that you pluck out your own eyes it kind of scared me reading about those heroes and warriors and kings it also kind of reassured me made me feel like i was part of a special club one that's been around for a long time an exclusive club a club for people like me who know they can do great things and do them and then get punished for doing them Ugh! i sat up shoved the pillows behind my back if i couldn't sleep i wasn't going to just lie there staring at the ceiling you know there's another special group she could join it's called the sharing <laughs> uh yeah now this is here's here's another problem with my uh, with this book for me is that this rachel inner monologue doesn't fit rachel like it, it doesn't read to me as rachel no this this chapter feels like she was taking stupid pills yeah it, like it, emotionally intelligent stupid pills it feels like she regressed but not in the cool way that marco regressed Right. You know, um, but like in the, I didn't read the other books right. way. This that, is a ghost writer's book. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, this, this feels like it was written from notes. I've know? got some thoughts on that too. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. Hit us with it. That's all. I don't remember who the hell I was talking to in the discord, but, or what the hell the ghost writer's name is. Apparently the girl who goat wrote, ghost wrote this was the same one who did Marco throwing his mom off a cliff. What? Elise as Smith? As well as one in the future, if I recall correctly, that involves acts and a really big decision, which I won't spoil for you. Thank you. But each one of those involve a character falling in some way. Like, <laughs> this writer just comes in to tear these people apart. And that's all that the books do. The rest is just fluff. So Elise Smith wrote this book. I didn't know she that she wrote the good Mark. I like that Marco book. Oh, it was great. Yeah, like the Push Your Mom Off Cliff book is a good book. Um, and I, But like this this one, I feel like... Okay, so maybe it's, it's less of like she doesn't know the material, but it is more of she just doesn't connect with Rachel and I think the way that other writers do. Right. This Rachel doesn't have the innate confidence that other Rachel books have had. Well, there's also the... Like, Rachel's kind. Rachel's a good person ultimately. And this doesn't read as a good person. It reads as somebody who demands and wants power only and it's just it, it feels off to me yeah she says if we we heroes and warriors and kings didn't do the grisly but necessary stuff the insanely brave stuff who would nobody that's who <laughs> that's some like youtube philosophy <laughs> yeah that yeah. Is, that is some like that is some chud shit that she's it, spewing it really out. is like i i bet you i could go to like you know some like far right internet forum and read this yeah <laughs> this know? is this is a far right manifesto it's like i had to do this great thing no one else could change the world but me now i'm going to shoot up a mosque yeah Dude, well, don't clip all this terrorism <laughs> stuff out. no what i'm gonna do is gonna clip it and then put it in a collection and send it to the fbi oh great um well rachel does have that emotion running through her of doing the hard thing that nobody else will do yeah she knows she's capable of it but not for this reason. Not for yeah, like that's the thing, is the motivation seems off. Um and again, like yes, that's a bad path either way, I think. But like yeah. uh for just like if if I were to read this generously, I would say that she is covering up for some emotional thing that she cannot admit to herself. That would be my generous read. Mm-hmm. But there's no hints of that. What it do just- you <laughs> like, okay, let's go down that. What do you think she's covering up? 
uh, it well, like the book hints on her insecurities in a role of leadership, mm-hmm. right? She knows that she's a a, a strong badass bitch, mm-hmm. uh, girl boss, yeah. Yeah, but like, and she is. Yeah, she definitely is. She 100% is and will kill you. Yeah. Uh, but like, she, she's feeling insecure in in other areas where she isn't, like an area of leadership, she's not strong in an area of leadership. She's not strong in areas of planning and kind of convincing people to, to go along with her, aside from strong arming them into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's feeling insecure about that. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have social strength yeah. in some areas. And... You know, this is her kind of covering up. It's just like, well, I'm a king. That's why people follow me. I'm king. Yeah. Not because, like, I'm trustworthy or I'm stupid enough to make good decisions <laughs> sometimes, <Yeah>. Jake. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, or Jake's, yeah, Jake's later advice is don't think about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, she, she doesn't have those qualities that people follow. Right. But she has the soul of a king and warrior passed down through the ages which makes her necessary and powerful well you know what it is like she she's the um squad leader she ain't the general and you know like i would follow rachel into a battle like if i had to go like you know beat up 10 guys and there's only five guys on our side and rachel's here you know it's like all right cool follow rachel rachel knows what she's doing bite and tear uh (laughs) (laughs) you know but like if it's sent down make a plan you don't follow rachel's thing because it will always be that same plan of just go in there and punch him let's punch it yeah yeah. Tassel, what do you think of this reading of Rachel? I think y'all are exactly right on that. Um, and the whole following Rachel only into battle and not the plan thing, like that's later in the year pool. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She really does. the funniest thing. Yeah. But she calls the shots when she's there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. She does. Somebody, somebody <laughs> needs to call shots. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. So, so this pep talk about Oedipus, <laughs> by the way, she even I- says, I'm not, I'm not good. What is it? I'm not going to, it's not going to go bad for me like it did for that old Greek. <laughs> That's a direct quote from this book. What the hell was the ghost? Like, the ghostwriter just read Oedipus Rex <laughs> recently. Yeah. Like, let's put it in here. It was like, it's like you said before we started recording it. This is the ghostwriter trying to give a lesson to children is what this was. This, this it felt supre- like they were talking down, supremely like they were talking down to us. Yeah. Uh, so their plan, first thing. Is they're going to smash up a TV station. Let's do it. Why a TV station? Because they know a controller runs the news there. Ooh. And they do. They get there. They go big mode. They start smashing stuff up. They steal a a toupee. But there's one little hitch to their plan. They see a tour group. And as they're smashing stuff in this TV station, they see an old man collapse. And Rachel's like, huh, better not think about that now. Pay no mind to the old man, collapsed on the ground, holding his chest, saying, I'm dying, where are my heart pills? Don't pay attention to that. Instead, she lifts up the news anchor and says, go home, Yerk. We know who you are, and if you don't leave, we'll kill you all. Your time here is done. Yeah, no, yeah, that rules. That Uh, rules. (laughs) This whole, I mean... We'll finish the series of chapters that are coming up, but like this whole like leave town Sopranos bit is pretty good. Like honestly, like Rachel felt like a fucking mob boss, just like saying leave town. Yeah, yeah, this, <laughs> it, it ruled. This works because I mean, naturally, after the TV station where the Yerks are controlling what news goes out, what gets broadcast, they pick the most natural, obvious next target: a hipster bookstore. 
<laughs> of course. I mean, you go to the centers that are most influential in society. News station, right? Tells yeah. you the news. Tells yeah. you what uh, what's happening in the yep. world. Uh, hey, clean out your ears, everybody. Did you know that ear, ear infections are up? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to get all that hair out of your ears. Get to plucking, folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like they should have done that earlier. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a news station spreading out like yerk information... Just go in his rhinos, smash it up, and leave. So next they go to the hipster bookstore. Exactly, because bookstores, a uh, common gathering place for all influential people. Yeah. Uh, we find out there that Axe likes Teletubbies. I mean, <laughs> that, what's your opinion on Teletubbies? Asshole, what's your opinion on Teletubbies? How do you feel about the, the Tubbies? So my little <laughs> sisters grew up on the Tubbies, and... Like, I thought they were hilarious, haunting, haunting creatures. And I discovered as an adult, incredibly large, like large enough to eat me. Wait, what? <laughs> but they, like, Teletubbies are fucking huge. Are they like, they're Godzilla? like nine feet tall or something? Holy shit. Jesus. Something Wait, ridiculous like that. I got to go Google this. They're shit. one and a half shacks. That's, I, I don't I don't like Teletubbies just in general. Yeah, because they're vaguely human proportions and those weird like, shapes. The idea that they're like nine footers Tinky like, Winky, the oldest purple teletubby is a whopping 10 feet tall jesus shit. christ okay so we re- teletubbies are terrifying adults are right <laughs> yeah yeah but like here's the thing though when you are like a kid watching teletubbies how tall are you like three feet two yeah. feet like super short everyone is tall to you they're not 10 feet tall. But it doesn't matter. When you're that height, everybody's the same height, which is tall. Picture someone four feet taller than me looking down at you and saying, Tinky Winky, lifting you up and hugging you. If I was a powerless child, I'd be like, go with the strongest one. Who needs daddy anymore when I have giant Teletubby? No, so. <laughs> no, abandon your parents. Teletubby is stronger and better. I'm cha- I'm coming around on this. I'm going to go pro Teletubby okay. after seeing the tall resident evil vampire yeah. woman. Yeah. Ooh, giant woman. Yeah. I, I am in love with her. Don't, mommy? don't sorry, don't. mommy. Uh, Tyler, don't be sexually aroused by a Teletubby just because they're tall. Well, there you unzip the suit; it might be Lady Dimitrescu under there. Those are children. Teletubbies are children. They're just very tall children. Well, I don't like where this is gone. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to but- go back to looking at pictures of the tall vampire woman. <laughs> Good idea. Oh, let's move on. <laughs> This is gone places. Yeah, so they smash up a bookstore, they lift up a book hipster, and they're like, go home, you space slug monster. Get the fuck out of Earth. Yeah. Again, cool. Yeah, and like, you know, Marco has some good moments here. Because like, I feel like out of all of them, the gorilla is probably the most like intimidating. I'm going to pick you up and throw you out a window. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. The Curious George bit was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. That worked. It was the first time comedy worked in a while in these books. Because these chapters are fast-paced. Then they go, what do they do next? They tear up a Kinko's. They tear up Chapman's wife's salon. They tear up fucking everything. Hold up. What do they do at this Kinko? Hold on. We'll we'll get to that. Okay. They do a revenge born, which is not good. Shouldn't do it. They tear up Chapman's wife's salon saying, your die job sucks, bitch. Get off of my planet. (laughs) Threatening her. They go into a cigar shop and tell Chapman they're going to kill him. I love it. And then they go to a Kinko's. 
Because, you know, influential places, TV station, smoke shop, bookstore, no. Kinko's. Well, but what I would say is it's the mall, and the mall's near the Yerk pool, so it kind of right. makes sense. Of this. So they go into the Kinko's, and Rachel's like, I hated the manager of this Kinko's. I know he's a controller. Wouldn't it be funny if I pulled down his pants and took a copy of his ass and balls and showed that to his boss? So that's what I did. <laughs> that's from this book. Got Rachel unleashed. They go to a gym with two <laughs> personal trainers and they pull down the people's pants and Rachel says I hope that those yuppies learn to like those trainers after seeing their genitals this, I mean, this, she, this is not a joke listener this is what she does she doesn't say genitals <laughs> no she exposes naked people like after the c- cigar store we hit Fred's fitness center on Peach Street downtown where at least two of the most popular trainers were controllers. Maybe someday Kirk and Kristen will get over the embarrassment of Axe slicing off their gym shorts in front of their worshipful yuppie clients. Maybe. Two blocks away, we rampaged through Kinko's. The manager was a kid I recognized from around. He went to the local high school now, a 17-year-old loser who joined the sharing to get a life. What he'd gotten was a yerk in his head, and now he was Mr. Career Path. And all, Mr. Responsibility, Mr. Self-Importance, and a pathetic short-sleeved white dress shirt and clip-on tie. Please. I thought it might be interesting to make a photocopy of his butt. Send it to his boss. Tack a second copy on the break room bulletin board. So I did. I love her. I wasn't joking. Yeah. I mean, Beautiful. That's that- so fucked. What I would say is, uh, highly approve of Rachel's <laughs> behavior. Rachel... Uh, should definitely. Uh, just, it, I'm surprised she's not killing all of these controllers. I mean, why not? Like, they, here's the thing: they they've kind of set out the morality of like we don't kill people. I mean, it's not good. They've definitely killed people. But, yeah, you know, like we, it, they shouldn't. Um, but like controllers are okay if you have to. Right. And so, like, what are they trying to do? They're trying to send a message. Yeah, Visser 3 sucks his job. Tell Visser 3 to get the fuck out of town or we'll keep doing this. That's their message. Right, but what's happening? It's leaking out into Rachel's revenge. Yeah. Um, because, like, well, throughout the, this chapter, she's thinking back of all the atrocities that the Yerks have kind of put them through. Like, she was thinking specifically of Tobias mm-hmm. and the, the torture episode, right? So, the, so, back at it, the Animorphs are running amok through the town smashing everything up they decide to hit a courthouse let's hit up this courthouse um why well they realized they're not going to hit a police station because one too many guns and two more importantly and this is a direct quote from the book what if they injured a poor policeman just trying to do his job (laughs) fucking bootlickers here we go we avoided the police station too many guns even I knew it would be too easy to get killed, and none of us really wanted the accidental death of a real, hard-working human cop on our hands. It's been hard enough to avoid hurting the guards at the, the courthouse. Boo! Boo! They did not need that line. That was intentionally put in. Uh, but we love our sh- strong-working boys in blue, right? No. Absolutely not. Okay, but like, at least we love security guards and judges. No. As an ex-security guard, no, they're awful. They're pieces of shit. There's a reason I couldn't do it. Uh, what about judges? Do we we love our, our nope. strong, powerful, uh, wise judges? I love wearing robes okay. with collars, sure, but no, judges are just as bad as cops. Probably worse. Yeah, well, I mean, 
I feel like we haven't gone hard enough on judges on this podcast. Let's do it. Go hard on judges right now. They're all racist. Yeah. Every, every single one of them. Every, every single one. Every single county you will find, uh, you know, a, a black man getting like 10 times the sentence as a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's ubiquitous around the country. Right. Um, and in order to become a judge, you have to be part of the judge club. Right. So it, it kind of flattens the uniformity of judges in the same way that it does it with cops where like, you know, you can't find a, a it's rare to find a good judge. You can find it because, yes, they are technically elected, and sometimes like people get behind a, a specific individual to become a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's rare, you know. It, it, they, they all suck. They all suck. As, like especially the Supreme Court ones. Yeah, you can find one good judge. <laughs> yeah, all, all cops Ruth are bad. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but only after she died. Well, no, not Supreme Court. I'm just saying, like you know, um, all cops are bad. One judge might be good. Right. Most of them are bad. (laughs) They're all part of a system built to oppress the poor and people of color. So fuck them. Fuck every one of them. Yeah. It's like my whole AOC rant. Like engaging in that system automatically makes you complicit and part of the fucked up power dynamic. It's yeah. Like there's no changing a system from inside. Sorry. Doesn't happen. Hasn't happened. Won't happen. So do terrorism. So I think well, I think the real answer is to cut a judge's desk in half, which is what the Animorphs do. Good, good job. That was, so, that was socialism. They gave the desk to the fucking workers. That's true. And Rachel <laughs> does even say like, "We split this desk for every injustice this judge has ever done." That's good. Yeah, it's good. And line. then, she, and then she lifts up the judge, and she's like, "Get the fuck out of my planet." Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I don't like about this whole thing is that they, they go back and saying hey uh marco don't take anything what yeah if you, whatever you do don't steal yeah we're <laughs> we're warriors we're not thieves i'm like no want to do a january 6th no steal everything take shit you're already in there committing crimes might as well like take some stuff you might need as animorphs yeah what is better than a gorilla a gorilla with a gun he stole that's right that's right <laughs> Marco, steal a cop's gun. You have thumbs, Marco. Take the cop's gun. <laughs> you can shoot it. God damn. Marco. All right, so what's next? We, we fucked up this judge. Well, they Got fucked him. up the judge. Then Rachel has some anxiety. She's like, I wonder if that guy who fell down at the TV station is okay. He nah. looks dead, but he's probably fine. I'm not going to think about it. No, because you know why? Because I'm strong. I'm a badass bitch. All these plans are going perfect. I'm a warrior and a king and a hero. And sometimes... Old fucks die. I'm an I'm a strong, powerful Oedipus, and I will not be stopped. <laughs> Nothing can stop this Oedipus train. I am so close to the sun right now. Nothing You're... bad could happen to these wings I have. Breaking news. Old old man dies. No 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 Breaking news, everyone. Old man has died. Gorilla attacks TV station, killing old man. <laughs> no. Wait That was us? We killed the old man. We killed the old man! Then they hand ring over a fucking fossil, sending his soul to hell. Because let's be honest, if you're born in America without giving all your money away and dedicating your life to housing the houseless and raising up people of color, you're going to burn in hell. I'm going to burn in hell. We're all going to burn in hell. I should also point out that's... Probably like, like rock and roll music, super popular because yeah, we're going to hell. We're Woo, like, yeah, the, fucking brother, putting a positive spin on it. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking dancing. We're going to fucking hell. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. So, anyways, they sent that old man to hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and it tears them up. The the gang. Well, here's the thing. It's it's not just Rachel that is torn up by. Everybody is kind of feeling real bad about sending Grandpa to hell. Uh, and by the way, Tyler, you would feel bad sending Grandpa to hell. Let's. I be. mean, yes. Okay, we'll get to the sending Grandpa to hell part. But right now, they're coasting high on good times. Surely, the good feeling of fucking up every Yerk's day will never end. So they decide to go to the community center to fuck it up. That's where they kept Tobias and tortured him. I say we tear it up. Everyone kind of is like, nah, I guess. Marco's like, okay, I'll go scout ahead this time. Maybe we can avoid grandpa death. I'll, I'll just go in as a bug. Here we go. I'm going to go in as a bug. And then um, Rachel says, well, what about polar bears? No, Rachel says, shut the fuck up, Marco. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sit down. Know your place. Yeah. Like She, she kind of like is feeling insecure about her leadership position. So she kind of bats everybody down. Even Cassie. Mm-hmm. Cassie's like, Marco has a good point. Like, let's go in there and check it out and make sure there's not like a big death ray pointing at the door because they're suspicious of us at this point. And sometimes there are death rays pointed at doors. It happens. You got to look. Um, but yeah, Rachel Rachel says, no, our plans have been working so far, aside from a little bit of grandfather death. Uh, don't worry about it. We're going to go in there and we're going to win. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is it. We're we're taking it home. All right, everybody, turn polar bears. Let's go. Wait, and they're like, hey, no, I like my wolf. <laughs> yeah, uh, the wolf's been working. Why don't we just go with our battle morphs? Rachel's like, no. Big mode means big mode. Polar bears, everyone now. Do you like this plan, Tassel? Do you like this plan? I think it was stupid and desperate, and I love like seeing her tighten up when she doubles down on making the decision and she's like, no, all of you shut the fuck up. I'm right. I know this is the move. This is what's going on. I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore grandpa dying. There's no room for that shit. I'm the shit. I, it makes a more interesting Rachel, but is it in character? It's not in character because she's not considering everybody like that. That's what she's saying here is that I know what's best for you. And I know what's best to do. Like, she's telling everyone to turn polar bear because she doesn't understand that everybody has their own role in their battle morse, right? Mm-hmm. Marco does the gorilla thing because gorillas can manipulate tools and whatnot. Yeah, he's the smart one. He does all the locks. And right. You know, like, t- Tobias is a hawk because he is a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and even Cassie. Like, I know everyone gives shit about Cassie, about being a wolf. I try to defend Cassie about the whole wolf thing because it's what she understands best. Mm-hmm. She's not comfortable as a polar bear. She's not a, a, you know, she likes a certain grace and speed to her attacks. Yeah, the only time she's good as a polar bear is if someone calls her the N-word, as we've well like, established in Megamorphs. Well, she knows when to pull that polar bear out of her back pocket, is what I'm saying. Okay. And like, you know, and she knows what if she's going into an uncertain situation, she wants to default to wolf. Mm-hmm. But Rachel saying, no, it's best if you're polar bear saying, no, I know better than you how you work. And a typical white woman deciding that they know best about other people's bodies. Yeah. And what I would say is just like it's bad leadership. Like very bad leadership. If, if you've ever. Yeah. Well, if you've ever worked under a bad boss. Yeah. And, and you have you know that something it, this is the way you do things right mm-hmm. you know uh, whatever job you have if you've worked there long enough you generally know kind of what's best and you've always had that boss to come in and say like no do this wrong <laughs> <laughs> do this do this my way um and it always lands on its ass because you know everybody 
is smart. Everybody involved knows that everything's going to go bad, but you go through the motions anyway. Well, because they're your boss. And it's just like, yeah, you have to listen. Like, I look at my work right now. We're in the middle of this big process improvement thing where we're trying to solve problems in healthcare that we try to solve every three years. Yeah. And it's the same solutions to the same problems and just nothing changes. They're the same problems. But... But Pe- like why? people get paid to solve these problems, so they make a they make an email, they take a bonus, and they go to a new job. That's what Rachel's kind of doing here. It's just like they trusted Rachel to like make decisions. She's not trusting them to make their own decisions about their own plans, mm-hmm. right? The, they they're they're on, there's they were hesitant about attacking the sharing center, mm-hmm. but they did it because it's just like okay, I trust you, Rachel. Yeah, you, you're not. This here. has worked so far. Yeah, you're not here to to screw us over. You're here to like you know put pain to the yurks, and we're behind that. Yeah, so, we okay. did a whoopsie of killing a grandpa. Let's avoid doing this whoopsie by working as a team. Yeah, and Rachel says no. We're team Rachel. Right, and it's just like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna like you know turn back and say no, Rachel? Good luck, because Rachel. Here's the thing, and I think they all know this. Rachel would just go in. Yeah, like it, it all alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which she tries to do later, which we'll get to. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, fine, fuck it. Let's just all go in as polar bears. Fine, and they do, uh, and it's a bloody, horrific, wonderful mess. Yeah, Sonic Sonic Chu shows up. <laughs> Sorry, trying to capitalize on that christian shit you don't even know Tyler. i don't i hope i never learn is is that the guy who's like mean to his wife and uh, video games wife arthur chu that's i don't sonic i don't know what's happening i don't these people in my head these internet people in my head i don't know who they are i don't know what they do no one tell me i don't care i like your own fantasy world of the internet you've built for yourself yeah what else are we supposed to do it's not a real place the, the only reason I know Tatzel's alive and not just someone who lives in my phone is because I'm staring at them right now. That's what I'm doing. Kind of. You're living on Nate's TV now. It's this fine. could be Free Guy. No. Sorry, I watched that last night. I actually am a Free Guy defender. We'll talk about that outside no! of the podcast. No! No! Podcast over! Oh, no! No, no. Well, we're not Free Guy? No. So, the, the Garatron is there. The inspector is there thank you kneecaps them all yeah just takes them all out and he's like all right mr three i've wounded them can you please kill them now because i obviously have to do your job so please finish this job i'm gonna go do whatever a poorly drawn andalite does off screen so garatron beats us out he just flies up to heaven. He's just, yeah. He's like that uh, Apuchi episode where he just like blows up the cell. <laughs> and then Mister Three is like, "I know just what to do. I'm gonna turn into moldy meat that farts." <laughs> I love it. I love it every time Visser turns into a blob. And uh, like you know, like the blob. Here's the thing. Uh, the movie The Blob, fantastic movie, great movie, uh, great monster, just being a gelatinous blob. Which is what Visser 3 is. He this. turns into a last blob that just grows and farts and emits heat. Yeah. And everyone's like trying to pie at it, but it's just like they're, they're wounded. They're wounded. They all jump out. Yeah. Rachel like runs at Visser 3's blob more. He's like, oh, ha, ha, fool. You cannot hurt my physical form. Well, she's, she's I got to read the quote. I yeah. got to read the quote here. Read it. Read it, read, it, read it. I had to like write the whole thing in my notes. It's amazing. They go up to get him and he goes, 
fool of an Andalite. You have failed even to bruise the flesh of this admittedly foul creature. Your efforts to damage this body are futile. It's like he's just getting off on this shit. I love it's so good. Mr. Three is so good. Anybody who hates Mr. Three has no taste. Has no taste. Yeah. Baby brained. And Rachel's like, all right, fuck this. I'm going to bone out. So she jumps out the window. Well, like, okay. So why did she go after Blob Monster? She knew that she was going to lose, right? But she had to, she did a, a good thing here, mm-hmm. right? She, she, uh, she was trying some, to protect the others. Yeah. She's trying to be the distraction. They're like, don't, Rachel, come on. Like, you're going to die. And she's like, no, I got this. Yeah. And this all, is what I do, guys. Yeah. She becomes the, the distraction. Yeah. Um. And so she does what she does well, right? She went in there, slashed a couple times. Vister Three is just like, ah, you stupid idiot. Uh, and she boned out. Yeah. And she's like, okay, guys, we made it. We did it. it all of cl- us did it perfectly. It's a close call, but we all made it outside. Where is Cassie? Not there. So <laughs> this leads me to my theory. Jake is only the leader. Because he remembers Cassie exists. <laughs> Rachel remembers Cassie exists. Don't, not not don't. in the heat of battle. Well, okay. Jake does the calculus. He's like, Marco's gone. Axe is gone. Tobias is gone. Cassie's gone. Now Rachel goes. But to be fair, it's because Rachel's distraction. She uh, Jake has the, the, the bit time yes. to count. Because it takes a long time for Jake to count. <laughs> like he has the time yeah he gets lost after three he's like oh god what is it i know it's a what is it yeah no like jake for as much shit as we give him he has a role and his role is leader and leader makes sure his team gets out yeah he, his role is bean counter rachel and- not doing that doesn't think about it well because rachel has her role which is distraction and she just uh, like here's the thing it's totally understandable why she didn't notice that Cassie was gone. It's it's not usually her job. She knows her job is attack, run away. So, okay, here's the real question. Should she have delegated that to, like, Tobias or somebody? Like, hey, Tobias, distract Visser 3. I'm going to count everybody and make sure they got out okay. Well, she it was poor leadership on Rachel's end, just... I, I mean, don't know. Full stop. She. I don't know. I think that this is kind of her role, and this is kind of, like, a good thing she did. Yes, like morally and ethically, yes. Trying to save her friends, great thing to do. But do it in doing that, she neglected the leadership of role of make sure your team gets out. Disagree. I think that this is, you know, her making sure that her team gets out in the way that she knows, which is like, you know, put be the center of attention while everybody bones out. Well, yes, like that that, that that's the way that she gets everybody out alive. Yes, and usually and, yeah, that it didn't work this time. No, because there was no one making sure people got out. Yeah, I mean, it's. If anything, though, I would put the blame on everybody else. Like, <laughs> no, really, like you know, because like you know, if it's your own personal, you have to get out of there. It's a moral failing if you don't. No, get away. but like they they had the opportunity to check and they didn't. Um, but they do the thing which is blame Rachel afterwards. They get to the Animorphs HQ in Cassie's barn. Ironically enough, I'm with them. It was Rachel. Mm. Tassel, you got to break this tie. How do you feel? It was stupid, but it wasn't Rachel's fault because she didn't know any better. Jake was uh, gone. Ignorance is, who, ignorance is not a defense. Jake Come is on. gone. He's the one who usually does the count. All she knows is her berserker hold the line shit. She doesn't know to even delegate counting Cassie or anybody else to someone Which else. Which is why she's bad. No. Yeah, no, it I mean, was a bad choice on her part, and they should have done some damage control around it. 
but she did take the lead. It's on her. It's it was wrong of them to go in. Yeah, like for that, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for that, sure. Uh, unambiguously, that was the wrong choice. Like I know in. this is a York stronghold. We can crush it. Yeah, Stupid. Bad move. Uh, but like getting out of the jam, I can't see any other way out of it. Like she maybe could have yelled like, "Hey, Tobias." make sure everybody gets out okay or something like that but it's just like way out and like seeing cassie and thrown over her shoulder all big action hero could she have though because like she was the center of attention of blob fart monster i don't think that you know (laughs) there's really much room wiggle room there to kind of count uh she had to bone out either either way in this milk toast awful book yeah like i don't know why we're (laughs) defending like uh, it's it's not worth it like we get that, which is a truly interesting, sure. discussable thing, followed up with probably the biggest lapse of understanding Rachel as a character I think we've had so far in these books. Yeah. So, Tatsel, what, what's Rachel doing after this event? Fucking crying. Crying. Feeling sorry what? for herself. After all this big hero bullshit. She gets a mo- she gets a personal loss instead of some civilian, and it just tears her apart. Which is not Rachel. Rachel doesn't uh, cry. Here's the thing: Rachel should cry. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. Like, I think as a character, like if I knew Rachel as a person, I'd be like, Rachel, let it out sometimes, please. Um, but as a character, this isn't what Rachel does. Uh, Rachel does not cry, and she doesn't cry under pressure. And no, this is she exactly- doesn't cry when people criticize her, which. She just cracks, and it's a fundamental misreading, misrepresentation of the Rachel character by this ghostwriter. Well, here's the thing. The plot needed it. <laughs> like, I think this is kind of the, the plot dictating the character, right? You know, is that, like, the plot needed uh, leader Rachel to, to hit a low point. We need to hit a low point because she's been high on her hog this entire time as being the perfect leader because, she honestly, she's been doing an okay job up until this point. Um, but, like... What's our lowest point? I guess we just make her cry and get yelled at by everybody. Instead of a more interesting and better choice of doubling down on like, all right, now we go save Cassie. I fucked up, but let's go. No, like what she should have done is punched a wall and hurt herself. That's a Rachel thing. Yeah. Right. You know, because that's a Rachel uh, reaction to failure is just like more violence. Yeah. Fuck you, wall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and it, it shows a misunderstanding of the Rachel character. You know, like it's just not who she is. And Tatzel, you said this ghostwriter wrote the Marco book, right? That's I eighty percent sure I'm right on that. Fact check me later. If we, I won't read okay, it. We'll, def- we'll definitely fact check you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not. So Nate made a great point in that this ghostwriter understands Marco better than they understand Rachel because yeah. Rachel, acting completely out of character, storms off crying. Yeah. Marco comes and says, look, I know what we need to do. I see the line and convinces Rachel to get back into it. Marco gives pep talks, uh, I think almost more effectively than Cassie. Yeah. Especially Um, when Rachel's involved because he can slap the shit out of her in the way that she needs it. Yeah. It's, you know what it is? It's like, um, it's the same way you trust an accountant. (laughs) <laughs> Go on. Okay, because like, okay, so let's say... Oh, I don't have an accountant. Sorry, I'm no, working I, I, class. I, I, I don't have an accountant either. But I like, live paycheck to paycheck. What does this accountant listen, I, say? <laughs> person who understands money. <laughs> I don't have an accountant. <laughs> but like, what I mean, though, is that you trust a person, uh, an analytical person, to give you a truthful answer to something. If you know an absolute, like, 
robotic analytical person and they say, no, you're doing fine. You're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Because you know that they wouldn't lie to you or sugarcoat shit, Mm -hmm. which is what Marco is. Marco won't sugarcoat shit if he thinks things are going poorly. Right. He'll tell you. Um, And so when Marco follows Rachel after everybody's a total asshole to her. Yeah, they just shit on her nonstop. Completely, which also is a betrayal of their characters as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Even Axe manages to put in a barb. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, she runs out of the barn crying. Marco follows her and says, listen, um, you do suck as a leader, (laughs) but um, I also know that this is a situation Rachel is best at getting us out of, Mm -hmm. which is we we don't got a plan. Yeah, we need to go in big, (laughs) strong, down to get the friction on. Yeah, and and, you know, that's that's a Marco pep talk, which is just like, I know the truth. Here's the truth. Yeah, Except Marco's it. like, I could have planned this and it could have gone better, but we're past the point of planning. What we need now is big, strong hit back. Right. They the- have Cassie. They will make her demorph. They will turn her into a controller. This war ends today unless we do something big and stupid. Yeah. It's Marco's, I can't outthink a bullet. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, the only option is to punch the bullet, which is Rachel. So, Nate. What's their plan? Well, let me tell you something. Have you ever... And here's the thing. When was this book written? What year? Like 1999. 1999. Uh, a lot of things going on that year. Um, Big election happening in 99. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, Tyler. Tetzel, do you remember the, the 2000 election at all? <laughs> I don't. No. No. I don't even know who else was in it. Gore and Bush. Yeah, this well, was made in 2000. Okay, 2000. Gore and Bush. President uh, George W. Bush was just elected as president. and um, Unfairly. Stole the elections. Fine. He, he did. He totally stole it. Um, so, like, it was a, it was an interesting time, year 2000. And um, so the Animorphs in the year 2000 had a wonderful idea. Here's what we do. Um, we think we know that there's a headquarters for the Yurks that is not, like, the traditional Yurk pool entrances. Because mm-hmm. we know that they're trying to build more, like, entry points for bug ships. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and we know where one of these is. It's called Bean Tower. Bean Tower. Bean Tower. Great. Okay. Um, we know that Cassie has like an hour left. Yeah. We don't have much time. Um, Bean Tower is like way the fuck over there. And apparently we're near an airport. So here's my theory. Uh, how about we fly a jet plane <laughs> into a tower? <laughs> Oh, the Animorphs the year, do a 9-11. In the year 2000. <laughs> that is a... I never... That was the Conan O'Brien bit I never caught. <laughs> God, I love it in the let's year 2000. To, let's go to... Let's just, you know, think ahead for once. Rachel, thinking ahead for once. Mm-hmm. Let's do a fucking 9-11. Let's do a 9-11 before 9-11 was a thing. All, right, All through this book, they're doing guerrilla terrorism. Right. What's the ultimate... And then they they steal a plane to fly into a building. Let's do the ultimate guerrilla terrorism (laughs) and do a 9-11. Like, was this book on the list of media not to consume after 9-11? It had to be. No. Hold on. Wait, maybe. Nobody probably knew. Nobody. Because here's the thing. Like, how many people are reading the kids' book? There's probably a thousand. Okay, maybe 4,000 people on this planet who read this book. 
right? Oh, no, it's more than 4,000. You think more than 4,000 people read Animorphs 37? Yeah, dude. Like, Animorphs is a popular book series. Yeah, but in, like, it's not Tom Cruise popular. Sure. It's Scholastic popular. It's not, okay. How many people fell off these books after a certain point? Here's what I would say. It is not Spider-Man popular. They're not going to go back and fix this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, there's no fix on this. Yeah, yeah, there's no fix in this. This is not the Twin Towers Spider-Man trailer. Right. So, yeah. Um, gang, it's time to do a 9-11. It's Let's go. It's time to do a 9-11. All right. But here's the thing. We're going to improve this 9-11, all right? Because like, there, there's room for improvement in 9-11. <laughs> yeah. You can do a better 9-11 if you just think it through. Think it through. Okay. So, um, they go to the airport. They um, run across the tarmac being chased by guards and dogs yep. as teenagers. Yeah, some teens going on goddamn selves. Like, yeah. like why? They had CCTV back then. You know they're on facial yeah, recognition. Exactly. You know just they're like, on a police database. One of those guards just had like a camera. Boom. Uh, <laughs> we got you. Or even if one of them is a controller. Like, hey, uh, shit's going down at the airport. But again, that shows you how lax airport security was. <laughs> it really then. was. It right. really was. It really was. You could buy a ticket and just fly anywhere. That's right. There were no carry-on charges. Yeah, teenagers could just run across the tarmac into a private jet. Owned and- by Philip Morris. Right, so here's the room for improvement. What if the 9-11 terrorists took, like, you know, the uh, Lolita Express? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What if what the if they- Saudis <laughs> paid these terrorists to steal Jeffrey Epstein's plane? There you go. Nine eleven could have done good. You could have been better, nine eleven, and you didn't. God damn! <laughs> you could have stole the Philip Morris plane. No, yeah, because they steal cigarette magnate Philip Morris's plane. Right, uh, Axe. He's like, <laughs> you dumb idiots. Yeah. I can fly a plane. Of no course, problem. I can fly this plane, you idiots. <laughs> Which he does. He does well. And- uh, uh, they and then and like in flight, Axe teaches um, Rachel just enough information to fly the plane, mm-hmm. just enough to kind of keep it level. Like the Microsoft Flight Simulator taught those terrorists to Ex- fly. Exactly, and um, <sighs> so their plan moving forward is to crash their plane into <laughs> being a tower, right? Uh, because they, here's here's what they think they know. Um, Bean Tower was kind of this scaffolding building built to being, kind of... Yeah, being built. Tobias watching it being built. Yeah, it's like, hey, there's no like floors or like rebar or stuff in there. Mm-hmm. No um, steel beams. No, like, well, a couple steel beams. Some steel beams. We have a couple steel beams. Like, it looks uh, convincingly enough like a building, mm-hmm. and we think it's empty. Yep. They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. They do emphasize quite often, they're like, hey, we think this building might be empty. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, they don't know. But like they could have killed an entire tour group full of grandpas, right? Yeah, or twenty five hundred civilians just doing their job. Whatever. We do a nine eleven a day with COVID, but it's, it's okay though. COVID's over. It's over. Open her up. Uh, done. Done. Let's do some action. They fly this plane and they fly Philip Morris's plane in the Bean Tower. Okay. Um. So they're heading up to to the Bean Tower, and they're, uh, they're like, "Okay, Rachel, I got uh, Rachel has the wheel. Mm-hmm. She's flying the plane." While the rest of the animorphs morph into birds and get sucked out the back of the plane. All right, uh, Axe barely manages to pry open the plane, and they all get sucked out. Um, where were the engines on this goddamn plane? Uh they're very good birds. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know. Actually, you know what's funny? Like, you know how they test uh, planes? 
Just throwing birds through it. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, <laughs> really? When, when they, yeah, no, when they're testing planes. And it, it was a big problem early on because they 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 overdid it with like their... Um, they just throw in too many birds. <laughs> like, yeah, I love tossing birds in the engine. No, they were throwing in frozen turkeys. So it was like these like... <laughs> That's what I was hoping it would be. Yeah, uh, no, they were throwing in butterballs. And it was just like these frozen turkeys just uh, like going through the entire plane, like through the cabin, through the back. Uh, it's beautiful. Um. So yeah. Uh, they might have actually gotten sucked in, but again, <laughs> they're very good birds. Uh, <laughs> Harriers, helpful Harriers. You wouldn't even believe how much they can avoid jet engines. <laughs> um. Anyways, so they're flying towards this tower. Um. Rachel's the only one there. She she kind of like puts like a, I guess like a stick in between the gas. I don't know yep. how planes work. <laughs> There's a gas pedal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she sticks a stick in the gas pedal and she runs to the back of the the, the door and she jumps out just in time uh, as the plane is exploding. Again, as a teenage girl, <laughs> she's not a bird. She's like trying to morph, but she's scared. She's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Think of this movie of Rachel jumping away from a jet exploding into a tower. Very cool. Rachel's a badass. And I don't think like this book does her credit. But this scene, this scene, this scene is like what what Rachel is, is jumping away from a plane, crashing into a building while it's exploding as herself. (laughs) And and she does all that. And she's following the explosion, going in head first. Right, because she has to go into the hole that the plane made. <laughs> yeah. It's, goddamn. Like, there are some images in this book you just cannot forget. And that one of Rachel going in after a 9-11, ready to fuck shit up into the Yerk pool. Fucking badass. Yeah. And like, this is a bad Animorphs book. It, it is. It's a bad Animorphs book, but that is a good scene. Yeah. Like, Ah, it's hard for me to hate this book because of it. It really is. Um, there, so yeah, the follow-up is uh, I have a hard time p- turning into a bird, but I do, and I don't die. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's it. Like that's yeah. The, the the image of her jumping out is way more important. <laughs> just it's it encapsulates who Rachel is so perfectly, so beautifully, running headfirst into the explosion. Not sure if she's gonna do it. But fucking doing it. And here's the thing, and I think a lot of people get hung up on this. That's not a leader move. No. As it turns out, leadership sucks. Yeah. Um, nobody should want to have it. Yeah. Uh, and people that do want to have it should be immediately like suspicion should be cast upon them. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh no, because like you know, like nobody would want that because the cool shit happens. From the Rachels of the world. Uh, like, you get to do cool shit jumping out of the plane, not like, you know, writing down the coordination plan for who jumps out when, right? Because that's that's Jake's role. Jake's role is like, okay, now you go, you go, you go. Um, I'll technically go out last because I'm the leader or whatever. But, like, no, fucking Rachel, she just, you know, she bounces and looks cool. And in the words of Paul Giamatti, the leader who leads from the rear takes it in the rear. That's right. I love shoot him up. And Rachel, uh, like, and she's a shoot 'em up. So <laughs> she is a shoot 'em up. She's a shoot 'em up. She could kill someone with a carrot for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot it's up so good. So here's the thing about shoot 'em up. Just real quick, let's go. The villains. Do you remember who the villains in shoot 'em up are? Paul Giamatti. But the real villains. Who hired Paul Giamatti? No, I don't. A gun manufacturing company. Okay. The villain is a company that is making and selling guns. But it's surprisingly anti-gun for a movie called Shoot 'Em Up. Well, here's the thing: it's actually it's anti-gun, but it acknowledges that guns are cool. 
Yeah, it's, that's it exactly. It, it's hard, right? Because like, yeah, yeah guns are cool. Guns are cool. Guns are cool. <laughs> but also, says the American. Every like English listener's like, what the fuck are these folks talking about? Listen, we know about your knife crime. <laughs> I need to clean this chimney. Listen, I'm out of it up to here with your knife crime. Yeah, do real crimes with guns, you pussies. <laughs> Uh, anyways, the party call shooting up. Yeah, the cool. plane crashes into the yerk pool, incinerating yerks. Even Rachel's like, "I wonder how many yerks I just fucking killed." Probably a bunch. None of them were old men, though, so it's fine. Yeah, it's all yerks. Like they're throwing voluntary controllers into cages. It's just mad chaos because absolute like- chaos. She finds Cassie like bound and shackled as a polar bear, guarded by one scared-looking hork bajur. Well, yeah. And she 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 does the move that she learned from her true love. She takes that Hork Bajir's eyes. Oh yeah, just yeah. rips the eyes right out. And like, here's the thing: America, uh, Rachel is America, one hundred percent. Like, there's some strong, like, proud bald eagle imagery here. Yeah, a a bloodthirsty white woman. Yeah, that's America for sure. I mean, also big button competent. I feel like is. <laughs> well, and we'll see that later. Yeah. Uh, but like for now, she's taking the Horkvinger's eyes and you know having like oh Cassie letting I, Cassie free herself. Well, yeah, because it, Cassie again, like Cassie's so cool, and I think uh, I have to take the chance every time I get to really pump up that Cassie's so cool because what she does is she unmorphs her hands so she can slip out of the shackles because the, they they did the because uh, she's so good at morphing. Right, exactly, because they were they're polar bear shackles, which I guess they had. <laughs> like a lot of people will probably write this off as a plot hole, like, oh, you can't morph like that. But from the get-go, Cassie's been the best at morphing. Of course she's gonna be good at controlling how she morphs. It fucking rules. Yeah. She's the only one that is practiced at it. <laughs> like, really. Uh and, and so, yeah. They uh they get there, like, all right, time to bounce. But wait, hold on. The inspector. The not just the inspector. Vister three. They come in together. They're you know, Vister three is just like, What's up, everybody? <laughs> I see you crashed a plane in my building. <laughs> well, actually, no, let's let's get into some Vister three dialogue. Yeah, right? let's do it. You are very lucky here today, Inspector. We have captured another and like trader for your entertainment. So I, I'm just picturing Vister three walking down like the staircase, mm-hmm. you know, very like like the giant lady from Resident Evil. Yeah, kind of. I'm thinking more like Regal. Like, yeah. I'm picturing a cape on an Andalite. So he's just like walking down the staircase and he says, My dear inspector, perhaps you would like the honor of killing the Andalite scum before us. Wait, I have a better idea. Mr. Three paused and swiveled his stock eyes, looked down contemptuously at his colleague. The animosity between the two was palpable, unmissable. Because you seem to think it is so easy a task to eliminate these enemies of the Yerk Empire. The Visser went on. I challenge you to destroy these two pitiful samples right here and right now. He waved an arm broadly around, encompassing the pool. I think it would be an inspiration to our brother Yerks. To kill the pathetic Earth creatures is no challenge for the creature with the speed and skill of a Garatron. We never mentioned that the Garatron's lines have no spaces. Oh my god, I fucking hate it so it's much. It's so hard to read. Like, I get that, yes, you're talking fast, but you could just say he said 
quickly. Like you don't right. need to say like you don't need to squish them together. So I have to like stare at words. It's so impossible. It's like he did an eight ball and then drank an entire pot of coffee, <laughs> and that's how he talks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My dear inspector, are you saying that you decline my challenge? I don't understand. You berate me for not having been successful in permanently subduing the Andalite bandits, and yet, when offered the opportunity to do so yourself, you refuse? I'm afraid I must take your refusal to mean an admission of... I accept your challenge. That is no challenge. The inspector spat. A bluish blur that seemed to shoot through the air over the yerk pool. The creature ran on water. Whoosh! Thump! I was down. Zip! <laughs> so like, the Garatron fucks them up. Yeah, in, again, like. In a Jim Carrey as the mask kind of style, which is what they say. They come. It's so Sonic the Hedgehog. It's so The Flash. It's so Quicksilver. He it's runs so, across the water and then spins in this dumbass fucking goofy circle. They, I was picturing like a Tasmanian devil. Like, they even tornado. say that. They say Taz, the Tasmanian devil, and Jim carries the mask. Like, here's the thing Jim carries the mask. Have not rewatched it. I'm gonna give it a shot. You haven't watched? I haven't either. I, I've watched oh, it, but like I watched it when it came out, which You're, was like what to, uh, ninety two thousand ish. No, like, that was ninety six, ninety five, ninety six. So this was already dated by the time yes. it came out. All right, cool. Yeah, so you're gonna take in the sad tragedy that is Stanley Ipkiss. He's the main character from The Mask. I remember. Somebody it. stop me! <laughs> Smoking. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know what was surprisingly the, good? The uh, The Mask cartoon show. I'll take your word for that because I had good taste as a kid. I That's didn't. I, I didn't even see that. That's why I read Animorphs. Good taste. Yeah? What about fighting foodons? Fighting foodons. Fighting food with attitude. Fighting foodons. What? Somebody's like dying. Someone loved that. Someone loved that. Uh, yeah. No, Tetzel. Hot you're, dog on it. You're, you're, you're not. You have no responsibility to know what a fighting foodon is. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Fighting food with attitude. Uh, so fucking stupid. Yeah, His okay. name was Hot Dog on it. He squirted mustard. He was a big hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> he had two pistols. One is ketchup. One is here's mustard. The, here's the thing, though. Like this book is Fox Kids. It really, it is. really is. Which it's is why I love absolutely it. fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's so good. It's so like. Well, okay. I wouldn't say it's good. No, this is a bad book. Because uh, well, it's because Animorphs doesn't talk down to you like that. Fox Kids totally does. Fox Kids Fox Kid is for like stupid children. Yes. If you're a dumb kid, you love Fox Kids, which is also why Fighting Foodons is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Rachel kind of loses what's happening. Cassie's like, um, the other people are coming, right? And Rachel's like, yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I wish I knew. Like, that's her... She says that. But here's the thing. She is... Like, if I were to be overly generous to what she's trying to say here, is that um, Elise Smith, by the way... Right. Call her out. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll find you. No. <laughs> no. Like, if I were to be overly generous, it's because this is Rachel's actual good leadership style, is I'm uncertain of the situation. We're going to deal with the things I know of right now, yeah. right here. <laughs> and she does. She's like, we gotta like 
you know, believe that the gang is coming back to, to back us up. Mm-hmm. Time to take on this Garatron. Here we go. Uh, Cassie, I want you to square up. I will um, get, I'll snatch him out. Uh, I'll snatch him like a fish, uh, like, because I'm an eagle. I'll snatch him <laughs> like a fish. <laughs> I have these powerful eyes that can see everything, and I'm going to get him. That's right. I'm America. I'm big and strong, and I can capture anything. Yes. And so she totally eats it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just eats it real bad like yeah cassie like tries to paw the garatron but you know the garatron's too fast and he's just, just like clowning on a, on her just stunting on a fool real right bad. and so like rachel is flying above she's like okay now's the time to strike now and she comes close but yeah she just like hits the ground real hard yeah, and just like tumbles gets her ass clapped immediately Right. Again, a very comic book moment because she just goes in for it and she's gonna be deadly and just bonk yeah. Like she grabs like the cloud of the Garatron. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like the dust cloud that's left behind when he zips away. And that's when we see a red-tailed hawk and a northern harrier carrying a cobra. Is it Yeah, it's like uh, even better than the Mexican flag coming at you. <laughs> God damn it. God, so good. So oh, they, okay, hold on, wait. I should point it. The Mexican flag fucking rules. Can fucking we, rules. Right? Like The American uh, flag sucks dick in the bad way. No, but like a fucking like, you know, uh, a hawk carrying a, a snake. That shit's awesome. Our flag sucks. Yeah, like one hand with some cool flowers, the other hand with a snake. It's just badass. Yeah, I love it. Oh, our stars and stripes. Fuck our flag. Can you throw We're a, Mexicans now. Can you throw a snake at somebody? I bet you not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We just love your flag. No, we. Also, I want to keep my white on, privilege. We, we love the city. We love their country too. Mexico kind of. Mexico kinda, does rule. Let's be honest. Mexico rules. Yeah. Big fans of Mexico here on the pod. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why this got weird. <laughs> because I kept making edgy jokes about race and country and culture. It's fine. They have pyramids, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign of a good. A good culture has pyramids. That's the right. Mexicans. Uh, Egyptians uh, and the Nartec. Hold on, wait. Also, uh, Memphis has the <laughs> eight largest pyramid. You know what it is? What? It's a Bass Pro Shop. Bass Pro Shop pyramid. <laughs> Do you not know that? So fucking good. Oh man, dude! I want to the... go there. Like, I am not. I don't give a fuck about no, I, fishing I hear or the outdoors, but I want to go. Oh my god! I hear it's surrounded by a bunch of like mecca churches. Oh, let's go! You I know, got like, some that, gasoline that, and a lighter. Let's go! I hear it's like. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> so, so they drop this coat. They drop this cobra. Yeah. <laughs> and Axe immediately turns into an Andalite. Perfect. To get the Garatron to come at him. And they're like dueling. Like Axe is dodging because he's fast. Yeah. Garatron's spinning because he's fast. Everybody fast. And that's when Marco's like, slither, 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 <laughs> slither, slither, slither. Gonna bite my bud. <laughs> slither, slither, slither. I love snake marco they don't utilize snake enough yeah be like snake like if i had a battle morph like a fucking snake would be one of them badass yeah 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 yes you're right yeah they rule they're sneaky they're fast and they're fucking killers which is what marco does he bites the garatron pumps him full of fucking cobra venom and the garatron's like i don't feel so good (laughs) yeah well they have like that moment of doubt like wait hold on does snake venom work on a Garatron? Yeah, they're like, I hope this works. I hope it's not like Garatron food. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just like they got yeah, like a little Yeah, boost. Cobra venom is meth for Garatrons. <laughs> that would have been much better. 
Uh, the answer is no, though. <laughs> yeah, it kills him. It kills him. <laughs> and Vesper is like, ah, you dumb motherfucker. I thought you could kill the Andalites. I guess you can't kill the Andalites. Oh, the poor Gatron's sick. Poor Gatron's sick, gonna die. Mm. I three. love Visser 3 in this Man. because yeah. instead of... Instead of making sure the Andalites don't get away, Which is he's the- just laughing at the dying characters. Like, ah, <laughs> I showed you. You can't kill me either. You're a dumb fuck. Yeah. His priorities are awesome. Which Love is just it. like the biggest enemy you have is the one you make fun of right now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's not the Andalite bandits. No. He the- proved that in the meadow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the biggest threat isn't the Andalite bandits. The biggest threat is corporate bureaucracy coming to crush a cool visor. Which is why you need to fly a plane into a building. <laughs> <laughs> so so what happened? What what uh, so the animorphs fly away. Visser yeah. 3 is laughing at the dying Garatron. Doesn't even give a fuck about like the bandits. They're just leaving. Yeah, they fly he's out so, the giant so hole they made. Like honestly, because like yeah, they did him a favor, <laughs> right? It, it's so good. Did, hold on, crows the whole time. Is this all a part of a Visser 3 brilliant plan? <laughs> Capture one Andalite, put the Andalite bandit into a cage so the other bandits, Andalite bandits, will come down and save him. And that's when I ache on the the Garatron to take care of business, and he dies because I know that they're better than him. I mean, the enemy, like, a solid argument could be made for that because they could have just tossed Cassie in the Yerk pool as a polar bear, or just shot Cassie, or just shot Cassie. Right. Instead, let them fight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're making an argument of this might be a good book. This well, hold on. This might be a good Visser Three plan. Um. <laughs> Also, there's no hint of any of this. this no, none my, of it. This is my head cannon. Don't don't try to like give. Don't try to give my writing credit to Lisa Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but like honestly, it could. Yeah, I think that might be a good read of it. I think that could be an Lee Smith plan. We'll see. It's like a fundamental misread of Rachel through some of this, but I, I, you the, are, honestly, some of the most vivid, fun imagery in the books. Yeah, he, what it is is you won't forget the Animorphs nine elevening. No, it like never. I, th- I think it's, it's unforgettable. I think it's because they did my girl, my girl dirty. Elise Smith did not do a good job with Rachel. We've been drinking, folks, and I, you know, I like I, I I'm connected with these characters now. I gotta say, like, you heard it here, folks. Nate cares about them. I I kind of do, and like when they they don't understand a character, I'm just like. No, you got this wrong. That's, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you fucked up. And a quick aside, that's why I don't like a lot of the fan fiction, because a lot of them don't understand these characters. Well, and, and just like, the thing is, is that like every character is different for every reader, mm-hmm. because you build your own headcanon. That's part of the reading process, is you're supposed to engage with it. Yeah. If you're not engaging with reading, you're doing it wrong. And so, like, I have my own internal headcanon Rachel, and this is not headcanon Rachel for me. And it's also not established Rachel, at least not when she cries. Yeah. So, so like, in those aspects, and since this is a Rachel book, and it's Rachel heavy, like, I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't like this book. Tatzel, what do you think about this Rachel business we're going on about? I bet y'all are, I bet y'all are going to disagree with me. It's fine. But... We don't invite people on just to agree with us or agree with them. We oh, want to talk about this hold shit. Hold on. No, Tetzel, agree with everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ooh, that cool. sounded dangerous. <laughs> 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 no, so the same thing that happened in this book, we saw happen to Marco in his Throw Mama from a Train book. 
where <laughs> nice yeah john candy <laughs> shows up <laughs> owen <laughs> where marco just his he's faced with an impossible decision and he does not come out on top it's the fall of marco after rachel's i will question where we questioned is marco bipolar is rachel borderline is rachel bpd yeah I would say so. Absolutely. And that's what this is. This is her mania. Every time she has a moment of introspection, that violent rage takes over. She goes to her hiding place, which is not hiding, but action. She fell apart here and she is never the same after this book. And she does not learn a goddamn thing. Jake comes (laughs) home and she's like, oh, don't leave again. Let me go fight. Yeah, it's so we did gloss over this. Rachel goes and visits the dead grandpa's son yeah, oh well, yeah we're God. not we're not done let's, fi- let's finish the book let's finish the book and Look, then we'll go back to then talk we'll, about rachel <laughs> so rachel goes to visit dead grandpa's grandson and he's like it's okay he was gonna die any day and she's like i'm sorry and he says for what and she just goes bye <laughs> <laughs> well like that that is i feel like against rachel's character because here's the thing she's showing up saying i'm sorry because she feels guilty not because she feels like she needs to apologize she feels bad and she needs to fix it and this is maybe a way to fix it but it's not to make this grandkid feel better and she knows it and the grandkid doesn't feel better the grandkid's confused right she's doing it for herself it's a greedy act to go and apologize to this kid Mm -hmm. um and is that part? Yeah, you want. Uh, yeah, you want. Know that is part of Rachel's character. Um, I think Rachel's character generally is kind of greedy in some cases, mm-hmm. um, and this fits. Um, I hate to keep harping on, it, but she's a white woman, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming down hard on white women. Tom, I'm gonna when say, I like to come in hard, white women. Very true. I would also <laughs> say that you know what? I think there's just people. I think people do this. It's not. It's not just white women. No, I'm making it about race and women and gender. All right. <laughs> You no. Hey, enjoy the, the conversations you're going to engage in. <laughs> no, no, I think you make a fair point in that this is greedy. And yes, it's in character. To a point, the only, like... <sighs> like, how do, you, how do you feel about the, the apology? I don't like it. Well, okay, I like it in that the kid is not like, it's okay, my grandpa deserved to die. That's, it, that would be bad writing. That would be bad writing. Yeah. I like that the kid's like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. But they also, like, the kid says, well, he was going to die any time. We knew this was going to happen. It's okay. We've been waiting for this. So it lets Rachel off the hook there emotionally and takes the guilt off her shoulders a little bit. The cop out, but this is a kid's book for eight-year-olds. Well, written by a ghostwriter who doesn't... Feel, like, if I was ghostwriting for a book, I wouldn't feel like I could make substantive changes to a character. No. You know, like I'd be a bit hesitant about it. What if she actually did just kill someone? Like, what if it wasn't grandpa, and you know, who's about to die? Which they say is just like, hey, yeah. uh, this person was ninety. She, you know, yeah, uh, grandpa was really about to die. Um, what if it was like, you know, just like a twenty-something that she accidentally knocked into like a meat grinder or something? Um, like, Ugh. right? What? Well, how would you react then? My she, question. Sorry. No, go for it. No. Yeah, talk. go ahead. My question is, is this actually like the first innocent civilian death that Rachel has actually seen? That we've addressed. Yeah, I think it is. 
<laughs> like that we've addressed. Let's, that, let's be book, honest. That the book has addressed. Right. But like he, there are innocent deaths that the books ignore that still bother me because they're very obvious, which are the controllers. We know that, hey, guess what? Underneath that yerk is 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 a victim. And they have brushed it aside as like, well, you know, it's like killing a hostage. Well, uh, it's like, eh. well, the reason this probably hits harder is because this is someone who's not in the war. This is killing a civilian. Sure. Okay. And I like as much as I shit on these books and their politics and especially how they present soldiers in war. The fact is we should be self-flagellating when we kill civilians we like or apologize at the very least or apologize at the very least like no we should not be in war i agree we do not need war but if you if your actions lead to the death of someone not involved in the war that is a sin that cannot be undone that is a stain in the soul of whatever you're trying to fight and the book doesn't go that far because one it's a kid's book and two they don't think about it like we do but an apology is good. Yeah. No, I, I like honestly, like I, I don't fault Rachel for feeling the need to get an apology. Um, I think that, you know, guess what? Their war is justified. They're, yeah. 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 Like, this war. Yeah. This fake <laughs> let's, space let's, war is justified. Yeah. The, the fake space war is justified. We should not become alien slaves. Hard take from Animorphs. Yes. Time. And we should have also <laughs> killed all the Nazis. Yes. I fine. It was cool when Tobias killed Hitler. That was very cool. Killed mechanic was, Hitler, absolutely. That Always. Was, that was very cool when he did that. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, Rachel's not going to take a flag to the dead grandpa's house, like fucking. Well, and, and like, and, you know, like she gave like the right amount of of uh, um, guilt and remorse. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sorry, kid. This th- this sad thing happened. Goodbye. Right. And like that that's the right amount. And Jake comes in. And flattens that growth by saying, don't think about it. Because Rachel says, what do you do in this situation? Jake says, I push it out of my mind completely. Hold on. I, I feel like we, we do get harangued for our Jake uh, smashing. Wait, hold on. I got to rephrase that. That is not right. Uh, <laughs> uh, like we, we get harangued for our Jake uh, um, you know, criticism. But like we should read what he says here. Um, so at the very end, um, Ka- not Cassie, uh, Rachel asks how do you do it how do you do this leadership thing i thought i wanted it turns out it is awful uh and to that jake says this how many anamorphs were there when you started six and now still six yeah i didn't get anyone killed well that's the first thing you do you know you don't get anyone killed if it makes you feel better the others thinks think you did a pretty good job do they we failed to get rid of the viscer. Like Tobias said, we're back to the evil we know. <laughs> yeah, well, Rachel, uh, the viscer's pretty hard to get rid of. Uh, it doesn't mean we should we should stop trying. I know. Hey, maybe the Yerks will reconsider the Garatrons useful as hosts, at least for combat. I stopped walking. I looked at Jake. How do you do this? How do you make decisions that may get people killed? How do you live with that? It's a war, he said. We do things that we have to because we're forced to do it, right? Someday it'll be all over. Someday the Andalites will come or the Yerks will decide we're not worth it. Someday we'll win. Maybe, but how do you make decisions that get your friends hurt? That maybe someday will get us killed? How do you keep it from getting inside your head and just eating away with you? Then I saw something strange on his face. 
For just a fleeting moment, it was a face of a terrified kid on the edge of tears. It shocked me. I knew what I was seeing. It was my face when I realized the old man had died. My face when I thought I'd lost Cassie forever. But then the mask came down and he was Jake again. I don't think about it. He lied. So I like that's the justice done to Jake here is that, you know, like the idea that Jake is constantly lying. Like here's the thing, you know. What? I'm gonna give Jake his greatest compliment that I've ever given him. He exists. Well, no. <laughs> yes. What if we were reading this the wrong way? What if he's an unreliable narrator, and his simplicity is a way to make us kid readers feel comfortable? And inside, he is he is a, a hot nightmare mess, and he is just lying. He loves basketball, but in reality, he's like, I've killed so many people and put my friends in so much danger, right? Like, what if he's lying to us as the reader? What if he's an unreliable narrator? Careful listeners will figure out that Nate's putting together Jake's arc. Keep fucking reading, buddy. (laughs) Because this Jake's arc is that he's haunted by being a leader. Right. right. Yeah. And that's here's the thing. This Rachel book, in reality, should have been a Jake book. Right, because how do you illustrate somebody? The, like we we know enough about these characters now that we kind of know what they think about themselves and how mm-hmm. they interact with the others. What happens when they're gone? Right, that that that's how you tell like what Jake is is when he's wholly absent. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like oh shit, Rachel becomes a leader. <laughs> right, like that's an excellent point. This book is you know what if no Jake. This shows us who Jake is, what Jake brings, what he does, and what he carries for these other weirdo kids. That's right. an excellent point. Right. But like it, the thing is, it's not because I think that would be a good way to write this book. But this book is written as a Rachel book. Right. As like, here, we're going to show some Rachel growth and she realizes she's not a leader. That's kind of boring. That could be summed up. It, like I think she already kind of knew that. Was she really gearing up for leadership this entire time? Like, I think that she, like, you know, you could maybe make this story work by saying, oh, she was feeling insecure about X, Y, or Z in her role of the Animorphs. Or she was only seen as a bruiser. Right. Like, okay, so you're only seen as a bruiser. The best way to, to kind of clear that up is like, no, I'm smart. I can become the leader. Right? So, like, that. But that, she can't. That angle, She's a bruiser. That angle could have sh- happened, but it didn't. Instead, it was just what this was, which is not great. I mean, you know, like, I feel like the Rachel that we saw just wasn't the Rachel that we know. Tatzel, where are you at on this? I'm going to have to run through the rest of it again, like the rest of the series again. But I still think this was a big turning point for Rachel because, like, she had her shot at trying to be the leader. She had the same tools and resources Jake has had the entire time, just without the not on the front lines perspective that jake had she really could have grown and developed and she didn't she kind of backslid back into that barbarian mentality and that just gets her where it gets her in the end having rachel to be the leader here um i think it you know like this is how we're coming to understand jake is just when he's not the leader Mm -hmm. and it's also why i think he's a bad character (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's it, he's a 
He's a bad character because we can only describe him by his absence. He's like a black hole. You can only see the shit that's around us. When you try to look into it, you don't see anything. And as a sacrifice to make Jake a better character, we've hurt Rachel, and I don't like it. Strong rate of this book, I'd say. Tyler, what do you think? What do you think of number 13, The Missing? Or sorry, The Weakness. 37, The Weakness. 37? How'd you get back on 13? Yep. He really liked Jeremy Jason McCall well, and Burp just, in the Croc. That's... Let, me, let me just drink more delicious haunted wine. <laughs> that was oh. even 12. 13 was Tobias. Oh, yeah. 13 was Tobias. Yeah, that's right. Whatever. Mm. Delicious haunted wine. Here's what I think. This book commits two things. One is the best of Animorphs, and two is the absolute sin of Animorphs. Mm. And the best of Animorphs is... A 9-11? A 9-11. What I was going to say was an unforgettable image that you do not get anywhere else at the cost of completely misreading a strong, powerful character in the way that they did with Rachel in this book. Because Rachel does not break and cry. Rachel does violence. And that's what makes her compelling. That's what makes her story compelling is that she doesn't have the trappings and the tropes of what a normal teenage girl does. That's how Rachel's always been sold as she's got the perfect form, the appearance of a teenage girl. But inside that girl is a fire, an unstoppable fury, something that cannot be tamed, something that only destroys. And to make that character cry yeah, is a misreading of who Rachel is because Rachel does not cry. Rachel erupts. And it's weak writing. It's weak. Does does Rachel doubt? Yeah, she doubts in her moments. And in those moments, she'll turn to Tobias and he'll say, no, you're fine. And she's like, I am fine. Or in her moments of doubt, she knuckles down and keeps burning and fighting. The answer is always the same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not crying. Yeah, no, it's not. This, this This ghostwriter did not understand Rachel. There's one cry. Honestly, like, you know, because... I'm a bad listener. I love this book, though. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's the 9-11 book. I love it. Here's the thing. I'm a bad listener. (laughs) (laughs) And what I'll say is, like, when I thought that you said that there's a crime in this book, what I thought you were going to say is that it talked down to the reader. Well, it does do that. Like, the the thing that I kind of love about Animorphs is that they're kids' books, yes, but they do not talk down to kids. Right. When I talk about these books and I say they're for eight-year-olds, because these books are written for ages eight to 12, I'm always thinking an eight-year-old can read this. The, the thing is they're written for humans. Yeah. Like, I think like a lot of like kids' books and just like people t- interacting with children in general is that they don't treat them as human beings sometimes. Right. They treat them as like just... You know, dogs. <laughs> right. No, see, like, really, like, like the, you know, if you see, like, a, a bad parent or a bad teacher or caretaker or whatever, they're always treating their kids like dogs, like, come, heal, yeah, don't do put, this, don't do that. They put kids on leashes. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, whatever, like, <laughs> I, I'm not a parent. Maybe there's a justified reason to put a kid on a leash. <laughs> Maybe you're a goddamn monster. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah. but, like, you know, like, Animorphs treats 
kids as human beings, but in this book in particular, it always felt you're being told what to feel. Yeah, that Oedipus chapter about hubris. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, Nate, you watched me read that chapter and you saw how angry I got. Yeah. Because that's so not heavy handed. It's not what Animorphs does. It does not lecture you. Yeah, exactly. It's not here to tell you how to feel or think about a situation. It's here to present a horrific situation and for you to digest that. And this book didn't do that. It it kind of said, like, I'm Rachel, and I feel insecure about leadership. I think I, I'm going to have a good cry. I talk about my emotions instead of acting. Yeah. Right? It shouldn't be, I feel insecure about leadership. It should be, I thought about what Marco said and punched a mirror. <laughs> right. You know? Like, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it didn't trust the reader. Um, and that's... But you know what? Somebody here did like the book. Tassel, you like this book. And Tyler, so we'll call him. Tyler, I, I like the book too. Tyler liked the book too. I'm the only one that didn't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can even have a thought. It's a it's a fucking stretch, but I have a thought to defend the crying. Let's go. Who the fuck was she crying for? Cassie. Cassie. Yeah. That was her fucking best friend and one of her fucking warriors gone. Like, she is a warrior. She's a goddamn Spartan. They loved their fucking fellow soldiers. It almost makes sense for her to shed a few tears over Cassie, but the entire falling apart and trying to crumble and quit, like, no, that is absolutely unbelievable. The only time she has done that is if it's specifically to bullshit somebody that's spying on them. Like, that was a very bad read on Rachel, but I still think the rest of the shit that happened to her was super important. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I don't think plot wise, I don't think any of us have a problem with this book. We have a problem with how this book is written. I have a problem with the Garatron. <laughs> I think that, you know, like, hey, listen, we're long. Well, enough. don't worry. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, it's one of those, like, we're long enough in this series, you can't just throw in a character and just say, like, he's here. He's an oh, alien. Oh, yeah, you'd think that, but. <laughs> Who knew we could talk so much about this one of one of the? Yeah, I don't it's, know. it's not a good bug. It's not good. Like it's not it's, good, folks. Uh, Rachel is the most compelling character to me. I have so goddamn many thoughts about her. I could just ramble forever. I'm sorry. I can bring a lot to any to- Rachel book. Totally, but like no. my problem with this book though is that even the the subtitle does not pass the Bechtel test because <laughs> Jake's not around. Who's going to take his place? It's it, yeah. it's a question about like, hey, we're here to talk about Rachel. No, we're really here to talk about Jake. Ugh. His leadership is gone. Now what? Where's Jake? All the characters, the whole book were like, where's Jake? Where's Where, Jake? Where's Jake? This wouldn't J- happen if Jake were here. Yeah. Jake's better at this sort of thing. Ugh. You know what? Rachel's right. Shut the fuck up about Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, Tatzel, where can the people find you? Do you want the people to find you? Uh, if you want to see me scream about how fucking depressed I get or how hungry I am or about my cats, you can find me on Twitter at ATX Hellcat. I have the same name everywhere. Other than that, I have no life, so I can't be found otherwise. You are the Batman. <laughs> you cannot be found. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me. We were talking about the, the Riddler with all of his riddles, but the answers being pussy. <laughs> Never mind. We Nate and I workshop bits together. That's it. We'll never do them. Like gay venom. That one is too good. I wanted to fuck my ass, Eddie. <laughs>
<laughs> no, it's fine. Follow follow Hellcat here. Follow our bud, our pal, Tatzel. That's it. Let's let's move on. Let's end this. Yeah. Um what what's a good cheetah thing to end on? Uh let's drink some blood. 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 Of what we are as a race We don't face the fact The government fucks us in the ass 